You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, my friend, my colleague, a man who's been ignoring the chance of Harrison out. Harrison out. He hasn't lost the podcast audience. He's here to talk to you right now. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. I hear, but I want everybody yeah. to know we're going to battle through this. Yeah. We're, we're a team that has a lot of grit. Yeah. And yep. you know yep. what? What? It's... It's important to recognize that we're only two nothing down, and that's the most dangerous lead in sports. Yeah, that's the most dangerous lead in sports. Uh, yeah, boy, that subject has dominated uh, our, our our conversations. <laughs> trying to decide what it. It's a pretty it really simple has. thing that it's not. It's just it's not. But it, there's so much thought that goes into it. I love it. So uh, maybe we'll we'll do a big a big episode about that sometime. The most dangerous lead. It's an interesting topic. More interesting. I will say that. When someone jokingly said that again, we were like, "All right, let's just nip this in the bud." It's it's not right. Right. Let's just look it up, and then yeah, we we kind of came up with no, it's not. But then we started looking at other things, and it's like, all right, maybe there's a little more to this than just the simple answer. And the answer I like is still, how no, it's not. But, but right, we're we, starting we, to see the shades of thought of why someone might say something that crazy. <laughs> right. So immediately, uh, step one, immediately dismiss. Step two, try to prove the immediate dismissal. Step three, contemplate the, the, there's the weird, like little minute arguments contained within. And right. then four, start to think like how you got to step one. Wait a minute. And we did this point? whole cycle, and then Matthias walks into the Slack conversation and was like, no, this can be diffused in one step, and he takes us all the way back to step <laughs> one. Right back to the beginning. It was like, dude, you're just... I know, we covered that. We're like... We're three days into this bender now, Matthias. Like, you can't just come in and be like, guys, whoa, you got overboard. Like, it was dad found... Dad found something, and he was going to put a kibosh on it immediately. Yeah, just didn't like what we were doing with our time, so... Um, yeah. Anyway, um, what a week of Major League Soccer. We had some very exciting games, Harrison. Some some real nail biters. Uh, some some close ones. Some some high scoring affairs, and a pretty tremendous upset. A pretty tremendous upset. Um, what was what was your favorite? Thing I know to see this this week. Atlanta, Atlanta, the upset of Atlanta. Atlanta losing. And on well, the road, it's mind blowing. That's what you're talking about, right? That's yeah. I mean, that was a good game, and a state. Oh, you're talking. You you were talking about actually LAFC, the yeah. the best team in MLS history. That yeah. somehow, and, and let's not make any more out of this. Minnesota got a couple of really good moments. We're going to talk about Mason Toy on hopefully lowered expectations. And look, they. They got a couple of really good moments. Mason Toy really finally found those moments to where he could cut 
in uh, outside on a defender. He kept trying to do that through the whole U.S. Open, uh, uh, the U.S. Open Cup, and he just could never f- quite find uh, the rhythm. He kept getting offside. Um, so yeah, we don't want to just we don't want to take anything away from Minnesota because it was a great win, uh, a surprising win. It could be a very important win going forward in the playoff seedings. More doubts. not. But let's not <laughs> let's let's not start LAFC's funeral proceedings by <laughs> this was a very one-sided game and um Minnesota both times they 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 rolled they rolled they rolled the dice they got sevens and uh LAFC just just could not just could not make it work. And this is going to happen. This is going to happen to even your best teams. That's why it's very hard for teams uh to to have perfect records. You don't you don't see it ever. Um, you certainly even very rarely see teams that, that, that never lose, you know? Um, so while this is, you know, a loss fair and square, and I think everybody involved would say so, uh, trying to read into it that, that Minnesota has found the key to defeating LAFC or that, you know, LAFC finally show weakness. I don't know why I did a voice for those things. Yeah, that that was a pretty cool voice. It was cool though, right? Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that you should be drawing a lot of huge narratives outside of this, other than, wow, that was uh, that game broke really nicely for Minnesota. Well, and like Brian Fernandez or Brian Rodriguez rather uh, gets subbed off at halftime. Uh, so did Jordan Harvey. Um, so like there is yeah. there are subs being made. Like Mark Anthony K came into the game at halftime. So it, it was yeah. just it, it is what it is, right? Like it, I wouldn't by any means. I mean, I'm not gonna. Throw it under the you know bus and be like, oh, that doesn't count. It of course counts. It's in the it box. Counts. But, it counts. They all count. Yeah. But uh, at the same games. time, yeah, same time. I mean, Mason Toy really took you know two amazing shots, and that's the difference. That is, and um, yeah, we was the first. We got our first role. I think. I mean, we've seen him a little bit pop in here and there. Uh, maybe uh, it was his second. Maybe showing a Brian Rodriguez definitely stepping in for Carlos Vela, and that's going to be the big exciting young point. player. Um, and yeah, he got kind of yanked at halftime, which honestly I was a little bit surprised because he seemed like he was doing pretty good. Um, you know, I know he had like a, a, a couple of shots that were a little bit like, ooh, <laughs> I don't know about all that. Uh, but also, you know, he was effective, uh, you know, off the dribble and, and he was creating and I think he had, I think for one half he had, uh, he had five key passes in one half. Like that's a really solid return <laughs> for anybody. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I'd say he was arguably one of their brighter spots, but I understand if you're losing, you've been, you've been, sh- you've been sucker punched, uh, you know, bring in Mark Anthony K. He's been, he's been your guy, you know? Bring in Mohamed Al Manir, maybe. Maybe that's what you do. It didn't help. It didn't. But uh um, you know, I, I don't see anything uh you know, I think the big thing about the big conversation piece is gonna be like, are LAFC bad without Carlos Vela? What if Carlos Vela gets injured? You know, or as this mighty team they had seventy seven percent possession. <laughs> like I know that possession isn't everything, but you very, 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 very rarely win the games with 23% possession. It's true. And and not only that, but I mean, and this goes back to like what we've been saying for, I feel like over the past two months, if you're going to beat LAFC, you're going to have to do it on the counter. 
Right, you're gonna you have do. to. You're you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to figure out a way to get a break on the counter, get them while they're in transition, and you're gonna have to make a a, a lucky shot or two. And, and you're and, gonna have to weather twenty three shots of theirs. I, yeah, I mean, it's look. They didn't. They they had a couple of really high quality misses, and and that's gonna happen from time to time. But I mean, for them to have that many, I mean, it it, it is a little All surprising. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. Minnesota have fifty five percent pass success. Like I said, it's 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 not that, that that it doesn't count. It does count. It was a win. And Minnesota they did what they needed to do. But like don't don't start drawing huge narratives about the the, the weakness of last year, the collapse here, because this is just a very fortunate uh, you know, series of events for Minnesota, unfortunate for LSC. That would be my take anyway. I mean, uh, is there any like anything we can actually draw from this? Did did, did Minnesota uncover any, any secrets? Uh, are LAFC now vulnerable? I don't, I don't, I don't think there's really any big secrets. I think the one thing that kind of came out of this, well, two things, right? Darwin Quintero is pretty much done in Minnesota, and then, um, which could be a conversation later on. Um, but Mason Toy also looks. Mason Toy is developing really rapidly, and already he looks better than Giazzi's artist. And I, I kind of. Wow. I'm real. You, well, you know how I feel about it. like making statements like that. All, yeah. I'm I'm quick, and I really wanted to rush on Monday to like just absolutely shooting these out of the sky. But I really thought about it, and I really took some time to to do some comparison. And to be perfectly honest, they're very similar players. Yeah. Mason Toy just has a better touch. There that you go. that that's. I mean, he, he's. He's a little bit more athletic, and he has a better touch. And he, that I mean, he's twenty, right? Yeah. We're not talking about somebody that's twenty-eight. Um, so look, uh, I could see Toy very much de- developing further. Um, so we'll we'll see where where that goes. But right now, his his XG that he's creating and his other qualities and his ability to make those runs. If he can tighten that up, yeah, he's going to be somebody that's at least, at, at bare minimum, he's going to be somebody that's on the peripheral of the national team, I think. Cool. And I, cool. I, I, really, I really don't think that's that's too uh, that's too crazy or cre- too hot take-ish. Uh, moving on here to our other exciting game, there was a real uh, shootout, as they say, between the Los Angeles Galaxy and the Seattle Sounders. Uh, Seattle pull out a 4-3 win. Um in the end of a very exciting half of soccer, uh, from a neutral standpoint, uh, boy, uh, those are two teams that just cannot defend. Yeah. Where'd that go? I mean, the Seattle, I, I, I totally get, you know, they have a, what, uh, Ariaga is like what? 20, 21, 22, maybe I, 22. I thought I He's saw, youngish guy. I saw some really good moments from Ariaga in that game. Oh no! No disrespect, right? Like, yeah, interesting. He's an interesting, and I mean this the nicest way possible. He's an interesting prospect. Yeah, he's not there, a finished product. One of the things that I, I saw of him when I, I I looked at sort of his his footage from uh, previous to Seattle, you know, I did like a real real deep dive on my one hour of monthly footage on my scout, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I saw uh, was he was really effective when attacking the ball early in the possession. And I think that that's not something that he's been set up to do here in Seattle. Um, so I, I kind of wonder, like, if they saw that and just said, like, we're going to 
just not use that or if they thought like we're just not going to use that right now but maybe that's something we want to do more in the future um but you know that kind of waiting back for the attack isn't really where he's strong but a couple of times in this la game i saw him uh, attack the ball and, and get it uh and, and uh you know the, the play that actually was really impressed me was uh the one where he uh gave his own teammate a concussion so that was unfortunate right. but uh prior to that it was a really incredible read uh and just extremely athletic to like jump back and out and like it had a ball and then not falling down but actually like following it up and like making sure it got cleared out I and mean, unfortunately he also cleared out his teammate uh, but that was just a good example. But yeah, so I, I don't think that um, I'm starting to see why Seattle thought this was worth doing, maybe. But, but as for right now, in the short term, there's a lot of questions on that defense still. And certainly having, um, you know, Leard him out and Brad Smith oh, out, I, I don't <laughs> think it's helped. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, 24, so a little bit older than what I thought. Yeah, but he's still, I mean, like, for this kind of level of player, I mean, I would expect him to kind of hit peaks around 26. You know, he's got a couple of years to grow into it. Yeah, that's that's probably true. So, but with that, I mean, Seattle's gotten worse since Chad Marshall left, and that's to be expected, right? They, mm-hmm. they've, they've had to... They've had to kind of figure things out anew because they no longer have we've talked about this before that guy that's patient that directs that holds that back line and knows when to go and then they've had kihi who's been someone that's been the the go when this opportunity come back right kind of run around a little bit more freewheeling and now kihi's trying to do both right I think he was really solid last year, and, and I thought he was really, really good. And this year, he's definitely looking a little bit more, um, I think, maybe in that role of the Chad Marshall, maybe that's not his specialty. And, and he does a better job being a deputy, um, kind of in a two-back system. But we'll, we'll we'll see how it plays out. But but right now, I think that there are, there are obvious concerns over that back line, and, and certainly LA <laughs> Galaxy have their own concerns as well. I mean, this was the pairing they wanted. Uh, and that that center back position, Polenta and uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez, like just had a horrible game. Um, so it, it's a it's a it, it's two teams that are kind of similar to each other um, in a lot of ways, and, and both just really look like they're missing that competence in defense to to really like take this this their teams to like this next level. That's my yeah, take. Uh, the Galaxy's kind of a weird situation on the other side in that. They're supposed to like Giancarlo Gonzalez was supposed to help set that back line, and there's moments, right? They're they're similar to the Sounders, where they have moments, but by and large, they just kind of look like a train wreck. You know, I, I feel like they don't have any real custody of the central midfield. They just kind of rely. They they seemed like they relied on two things, just throwing bodies into the midfield and allowing the Sounders to make bad passes. That that kind of seemed like that worked out Which they okay were only willing for them. They were, they were only too willing to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, it, it's just a little frustrating from my perspective when you think this is a team that really... I mean, the, the front six is just... This is a team that should be competing for for trophies it absolutely should be and yeah. their back five is a mess it is yeah it's not a new story for them so it's 
It's definitely no, but I mean, when you think about how much how much money that they've thrown at and how they've tried to, I mean, like Rolf uh, Felcher is a great example. The guy is really interesting at times, and at other times he just you wonder how does he how does he have his name penciled in every week. Because he'll make a huge well, gaffe, or he'll get absolutely yeah. beat one v one, and it's just that's the those are the type of moments that you can't allow. You can't yeah. allow in the playoffs. You can't allow yeah. Jordan Morris to nutmeg you and get into the uh, into the, your eighteen yard box. You can't. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you've got to try to limit it. I mean, there it's it's just. Uh, I don't know what other options they have. I mean, you can bring Steris, Romney. I think is still there. I mean, you know, you, you can go <laughs> right. with those guys. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not awe inspiring either. So no. uh, this may be kind of like what they want to do. And I don't think they've had a ton of time together either. There's this like whole back line, so maybe they'll they'll gel a bit. This and you know, towards the end of the year, but. Uh, time is running out, and neither of these teams are going to uh, find a lot of great success, I think, if they're allowing three and four goals a game, which they seem to kind of be doing more often than, than they should be. Yeah, no, true statement. Okay. Uh, U.S. men's national team playing Mexico for some reason. Why not? It's a thing. Let's just let's do it friendly against the team that will drive, drive nothing but narratives and is our measuring stick and... Just beat us in the goal. Let's just do it again. Let's just run it back. I don't get it. I don't care. Is there anything interesting coming up for you on this? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I think the only thing that's interesting is seeing more of what you might think of, uh, like the U.S.'s first team, spend more time together. But then Tyler Adams is injured, and you know Timmy Weah is injured, and it, it, it's a little bit frustrating to see that. But I mean, it is what it is. Um, Call up Matt Turner. Just do it. I'm getting mad, Harrison. That's you know, you know what I'm he fine. is. I'm fine with that. The best He's international MLS quality. Keeper. He's international quality. Okay, so that 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 phrase has really uh, that's that's triggered me this week, dude. That, I, know. That, I mean, has. like seriously, at, at some point you've got to be in your bonnet. Harrison about this phrase. Well, so the idea is that, you know, we have a specific, uh, and, and I say specific because that's the, the idea is that it's a specific, but really it's subjective. Yeah. Right. Like the idea of like some type of consensus meaning, uh, is it's crap because ultimately that CONCACAF competition is different than the rest of competition and honestly we have a huge amount of depth that can that can and should be able to win CONCACAF trophies yeah absolutely um, yeah, now absolutely. you you start talking and start gauging it to the re- like at, at what point are you are you talking about like the the best versus are you were who we're stacking about uh about Spain think, or England is that is that the measuring stick that we're saying like they're not international quality? Yeah. Well, if I that's mean, the case, like ninety percent of our team is international quality. At a certain no, point, you have to you have to walk it back and say, okay, our ideas are a little unrealistic, right? Well, I think that what happens is that I think a lot of times when you say someone's like international quality, you may 
uh, when speaking of an, an MLS player, be unintentionally damning them with faint praise. Um, like, for example, a player, I've said it before, I've realized this today, and I was kind of laughing thinking about this, was that, like, I've been like, well, Roman Torres, you know, he's the captain of Panama. Like, okay, cool. Like, but that's not like, it's not like a soccer powerhouse. Like, let's chill. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a great accomplishment. Don't get me wrong. You know, but, like, if that's, like, your sort of level of saying, like, oh, okay, well, that justifies whatever his inclusion is in his MLS team. It shouldn't be because, like, depending on what your country of origin is like international quality can mean a lot of different things Jordi Delem is an okay player he's decent you know he's a Martinique international like so are we describing him uh, his international quality does, does not mean the same thing as when we're saying something um, you know like uh, Diego Valeri Diego Valeri who is not international quality for you know Argentina <laughs> but like that's not really fair <laughs> That seems unfair. Well, yeah, like Diego Valeri would be like the lost uh, son in the United States. I mean, really. Yeah, it would be a big deal here. And it's kind of um, – it is it is just kind of a funny phrase to hear just used to sort of uh, describe players. And I think there's this other interesting wrinkle of it too because in MLS, sometimes being international quality is a burden uh, for your team. Like one of the things that Portland – Great things about Valeri for Portland—he doesn't have to go do international call-ups, which means he's not gone much. Uh, whereas if it's you true. look at a team like Seattle that has, you know, Ladero always taking off, Ruidiaz always taking off, and like eleven players this week going off to international duty. Like I bet La- I didn't think Ladero was going, but uh, I don't think Ladero is. But in the past, you've seen yeah, him like, no, have no, to go right. off, and like so, I I think that maybe there are times where if you're like the coach of that team. Uh, or San Jose uh, as another team that has a lot of players that are kind of in those smaller international teams that are going off. You're probably wishing, like, gosh, I wish my players weren't international quality this week. So, I don't know. I I understand understand why there's there's a being bonded about it. No, it's it's a valid point. Uh, I I look at it more from an American's perspective because I feel like there's a lot of players that are very – the measure is a lot thinner than Mm -hmm. what a lot of – I don't want to call them trolls. I think they're they're people that are legitimately inter- interested in the conversation being had right now with with the player pool. But I, I feel like they have some some false ideas in their mind about this subject. I think that yeah. I think the, a lot of these players are a lot closer, and just because you know one player plays in the Netherlands, and I don't mean Des, I'm just throwing a player out there that they're suddenly on this higher plane than anybody in MLS. And, and likewise, nobody in MLS, you know, should just be given to the United States national team because they're in MLS, right? Like it's, it, yeah. it you kind of have to take the merits of each player. So anyways, I've uh, just been really triggered about that lately. Just watch. Just, just when you hear the term international quality, just make sure to put that in its proper context. Let's, I'm let's sure think about who we're talking about. Now. Sure, but you know what? Maybe they're not international quality Twitter users, and you can just point that out to them. Um, it's whereas true. you, you on the other hand, Harrison, you could tweet for England, and everybody knows that. <laughs> um, Houston. Weird reports out of Houston this week. Uh, apparently, there was a. Eight point five million dollar, maybe more, 
bid from Portugal made for one more Minotas and Houston turns it down. What? Why? Why, why did that happen, Harrison? What, what, what's your uh, thought there? No, I, I, I don't know why. I was hoping maybe you might <laughs> have some insight into why that is. Because, I mean, uh, I started looking at all the different uh, – and Mauro Minutos, 24-year-old, center forward. What is the going rate for that? And to be perfectly honest, if you're not in the top four leagues, top five, and I'm counting England, Germany, Spain, France – and mm-hmm. if you really want to throw them in there, Italy, which feels kind of like dirty right now. Um, kind of a, 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 skis. Serie <laughs> almost canceled at this point for me, so we're just going <laughs> to uh, chill on them. But yes, so it, yes. It, it, for, so the, true, for the purposes but... of this economic study, it's fine. Right. So for that, I mean, the average cost of any out, other player in that, I mean, you're looking at $5 million kind of as a tops. Outside yeah. of the, I mean, all those other players have some sort of pedigree. All those this, other players, you know, and no one's going for, you know, huge money that's not somebody that, that has a well-established career. If that's this all, is the actual, and this is just a report, we don't know what the actual, but if it's 8.5, like that is a staggeringly high offer for Well, and I think a lot of us, and I say us, I'm including myself in this discussion. We hear 8.5 and we're like, mm, it's not 20. It's not 20, but it, you know, he's it's, not a $20 it, million dollar player. He's, uh, he's not. And he's not. That's a lot for Houston. Like, that's a big chunk of change coming home. Well, I, again, we're we're seeing we're seeing a lot. Uh, Alfonso Davies go for a huge amount. We're seeing Miguel Almiron go for a huge amount. We're yeah. we're hearing you know rumors of you know where Diego Rossi might end up. It's a huge amount. It we kind of go well, you know. And, and if I'm a Houston fan, I think there's people are some partiality down to at say, Atlanta's door offering thirty million dollars for Barco every day. uh okay well so that's not necessarily the case however i think that it's safe to say that if i'm a houston fan i want to establish we're not going to be pushed around because i know albert elise is going next i know elise is if minotis goes so that might be the one that might be the take here is they did this because they know that they're going to have to in some way um, negotiate for a lease and they want to absolutely play hardball from the get-go. Yeah, I, that's a fair point, I guess. I hadn't really considered the knock-on of, of a lease, which is their real actual, I think, most valuable asset. Uh, not that Minotis isn't an excellent player and, and an asset of his own self. Uh but I guess, you know, you could take the two that's just like, well, you're the, the offer's here now. And you don't want him to get hurt in the last few games of the season, and then the offer's not there anymore. Um, you don't want to, like, kind of put yourself in a situation where this team moves on, and maybe the next guys that come around are like, eight, five, no. Like, we're thinking five. Um, it's a big offer, and while you don't have to take it right now because – you know, he just signed a contract, and it's not—you're not pressed to do it. You can look for a better deal, uh, but man, you're looking at a team that really is going to need a huge rebuild this offseason, like a tremendous, like a huge overhaul if they plan on fixing this. 
And like that 8.5 is going to be worth so much more than a guy that's probably going to want to leave this winter too. I, I just I don't see the point in waiting when that offer's there. The money you know is handed out. Uh, I heard that's maybe to do with sell-on fee argument. Like they wanted more of a sell-on fee percentage, which is okay. I don't know. It seems like cutting off the nose to spite your face, but uh, it's an interesting situation. And I guess we're going to have our eye on, on on what happens. And like they already bought his replacement in, right? That's that's the idea. I think with Christian Ramirez, yeah. uh, I feel like that. I feel like the signaling of Christian Ramirez was to let us all know, hey, this is this is coming a lot faster and a lot sooner than what we all thought. Yeah. So, but apparently the Portuguese window is open for another five weeks, so maybe the story isn't over. Um, you never know; it could happen still. I don't know yeah, why Portugal's window is open so long. That seems yeah, that's right. a, that a really good point. That's open. I guess maybe to to jump on some of these deals um, that started, are missed they by. Have, they must have opened it later than the other European teams. So there you go. Hey, real um, fast, can yeah. can I throw something out? Something to sure. think about uh, about the, the reason why Minotas and and probably um, not not the case for Elise, but definitely with Minotas, he won't be able to get a work visa for England. So really you're talking about Germany, Spain, France, Portugal, um, as being the, the individuals. And because England won't be in the discussion, it drives that price down. Yeah, that's um, true. So, you know, uh, you're not, you're not going to have to, yeah. So it, something to think about, especially come, uh, this off season to see how that all plays out. All right, let's jump ahead to reader questions. We're halfway through. We got a lot of questions to get through, so let's let's do these. Um, our first question is from the ghost of Wayne Rooney. What a name! Uh, Ask, what would you say some good rules of thumb are for MLS transfers that have analytics backing them up? You got any ideas on that, Harrison? Any thoughts? Yeah, I, 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 rules of thumb. Um, so rules of thumb, don't send uh, allocation uh, to your opponent, right? Um, I think that's something that uh, more and more of us are, and I say us, I think ASA uh, has kind of come to an agreement upon is you want to, if you're going to be a good organization, you want to avoid sending allocation back into the pool. Um, it's better to eliminate it spend the spend the tam go bring in a player from outside the league than it is to reshuffle and give your uh, opponent uh more tam to go and replace the player that they that they're going to uh they're going to inevitably replace so um yeah i think that's one rule of thumb don't don't trade uh internal tam um anything else i I can't think of anything specifically uh from an analytical perspective i think Use them uh, if they're available. If you have a- analytics on players, definitely take a look at them. Uh, if nothing else, I think that teams that do use them, what they do well is it doesn't necessarily, it's not your your final end-all be-all to look at a guy's XG and go, like, this is our guy, his XG rules. Um, but what it does helpfully do is it does helpfully, like, it, it does it's a nice filter to kind of draw some things together so you're not just kind of wildly looking all over the place. Um, and I think that a lot of MLS teams, <clears throat> you know, unfortunately, uh, are, are in a position where, you know, they're kind of dependent on agents um, and uh, it's true. To, to, to do a lot of recruiting. And, like, a lot of these players that come in are kind of players that are recommended by agents. And that's – some of these players are very, very good. 
um, and have been very, very good deals for the receiving team. So it's not always bad, uh, but it, that further narrows your net down um, a lot into like what you're saying is like a yes or no situation instead of saying like, okay, like of all these things available, like what can we, where should we be drawing our attention? Um, it, I, the hardest thing I think for any front office to do is <clears throat> to look at a player in one situation and accurately graph that player into MLS and see how he works there. Um, and I just don't know that we really have like a lot of metrics that particularly help with that yet. And I don't know that those can be developed. Um, when you look at, uh, you know, the other big American sports, for example, you know, like, this is the top league. Like you're, you're going to be kind of like, there's not a lot of other leagues that they're pulling these players from. So you can kind of see there's a, like a well-established curve of like, okay, this is what a college football player looks like. This is what a college basketball player looks like. Uh, we have an easier time of grafting him into our pro league and kind of seeing what's going to happen. Uh, whereas if we're like, okay, this guy is in the Uruguayan third division, like what is that? What is that? <laughs> How do we make right. that, that overall sense of quality? Uh, so I, I wish there were more rules of thumb. I don't think there are. I think that would make those people's jobs a lot easier. Um, the only like rule of thumb I think is just uh, uh, don't just don't overpay. It's so hard not to overpay, and I, we've seen teams do it a lot with some of these guys they're bringing Agreed. in. Uh, but if somebody's asking for what seems like way too much money, there's probably a, an equal option that you could get for cheaper elsewhere. No, I think that that, that that's a good. Uh, We're not bringing in like unique world, like one of a kind in the world talents here to MLS. You know, there's a certain level of player that we're getting, and that 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 pool is probably bigger uh, than a lot of clubs realize, and and that you could probably find that 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 equivalent talent uh, elsewhere for 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 less money. And always, always, uh, just get a MLS guy that can do it if you know he can. Well, yeah, I think I think one of the things that definitely when you're using analytics like you just said there there's nothing that says it's going to be able to graph player in um that being said i mean i thought bastian Swinesteiner was going to be a terrible purchase he's actually worked out really well for chicago one of the few things that it has all things um, considered yeah i'd say that was a net a net win yeah there's there's a lot of players that uh to be perfectly honest i've been skeptical about that being said uh i think that a few of us were skeptical about pity coming in um and I feel like that's a false. I think a lot of the things that have surrounded Pity Martinez has been kind of a false flag. I think he's a really good player. I just think that a lot of the situation has changed. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think with that, when you're trying to make that estimation, you also plan for your team to look a certain way and to, to, to work and function and tactically build a certain way. And when those elements change and you still have that player you have to realize that um that player might not meet the the same heights that you once expected so um and, yeah. and i think that's kind of the case with him <clears throat> but that doesn't mean throw it away either like hmm. you still got him for a bit like you know still work on getting the best you can out of him and then i think that Atlanta are doing that with pity finally and it's starting to pay a little bit of dividends anyway so um yeah, we'll yeah see i feel like situation. there's more there's more yeah, economic we'll rules here uh, than anything. It's more economic yeah. rules than it is real like uh, data analytics when it comes to like trying to you know find you know good players and stuff. That's yeah. that's so it, it's so terribly difficult. Yeah, and like I said, it's more of a filter than it is like a a, a scalpel. It, it, and, it's yeah. 
one other thing, and this has been kind of said a couple times out on on the on the Twitter, um, mm-hmm. the data that is out there for some of these leagues is so uh, unreliable. We really take what we have at MLS and really even for the leagues in La Liga and uh, for the Premier League and for, you know, the Bundesliga, having all that data is just so immensely overwhelming and wonderful that we forget how um, honestly garbage a lot of those, you know, Argentinian and Colombian leagues uh, are. Because um, a lot of that stuff that, you know, we expect to be validated and to, to go through a process to make sure that, you know, that that data is good, um, it doesn't go through. And the people that are involved in it, um, you know, some of the people are a little underpaid and it doesn't work out the way that they would hope. Or it's just like they have too much to do. Like, it's very hard to code a game um, manually, like. You guys are welcome to try it, you know, at home if you want to start marking every pass and who made it. And, uh, you know, was that a dribble? Was that a tackle? Was that an interception? Was that a thing? And a lot of these guys are covering so many leagues and so many games in some of these companies and these smaller leagues that, like, it's hard to go back and just double check to make sure that you got everything exactly right. So, well, I mean, it's not that we don't like the data. We'll we'll take it. We'll use it. We'll we'll play with it. And there is just a grain of salt with that. And that's why you you send in, like, actual people with eyeballs to go and watch and make sure that that (laughs) there's some uh, sense to back that up. So Yeah, absolutely. um, that's a good question. Uh, Carlin Carpenter asks, of the clubs who won't slash probably won't make the playoffs this season, <clears throat> who are the best set up to make significant leaps forward next season? What a good question. Um, I'm going to say SKC. I think probably would be in a better place if not for that horrible rash of injuries. Um I don't think they've. Yeah, I don't think even if they were healthy, they were going to be as good as we both thought they were going to be. But um, I think that a couple of adjustments there, and that could be a really solid team still. I'll go out on a limb. I'll say Colorado. Okay, I like it. Go on. Collaborate. Um, yeah. So uh, listen, uh, I, I've not been on the bandwagon. I've not been drinking the juice. I don't think Colorado is is some amazing team. That secretly, I think Connor Casey did press a few right buttons, and you know, some label uh, getting some consistent lineups of actually good players, uh, mm-hmm. and, and not necessarily playing favorites, really helped that team. And Going out, getting Lawless Abubakar, getting adding Jonathan Lewis. Um, those were huge moves for this team. Now, is Abubakar going to be with them next year? I know he's it's a loan, I believe. It's a loan, so I don't know. That's 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 going to be something that they're going to have to work out. But here's here's the baseline. They finally got their man, right? Like that's yeah. that's that's huge. <clears throat> Your man. Well, I say <laughs> yeah. I, I've kind of been for for a little bit. It's it it's been. Robin Frazier has been Mark, somebody that I. This I've, is your. Uh, this is your Mark Dos Santos, and I hope it works out a lot better for you than it did for me. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, listen, they're both similar coaches in that they're both very defensive minded, and they're going to build from the back. But yeah. uh, the difference, honestly, the difference is, is I think for Colorado, I think they already have a little bit of a home field advantage, uh, more so than maybe any other team aside from maybe New York has a weird home field advantage. Uh, and also uh, RSL, right? Um, just yeah. playing at uh, altitude like that, you're you're just going to have an out. <laughs> it's it's a home field advantage. We've it seen is. that in Mexico City. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, teams just perform better, uh, you know, especially when they're acclimated to it. So, yeah, I don't, I I think Robin Frazier's, it'll be interesting to see how they build the team. I, I think that, um, the possibility to have two designated players that they're adding, uh, definitely could be, but, uh, like you said, uh, sporty kids cities there too. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how they look. Um, I feel they have a, they have a huge, I feel like they're at a tipping point right now that, um, I'm usually very, very, um, complimentary of Peter Vermees and I'm going to be a little condescending right now because I feel like he had an opportunity to grow this year and he didn't. Wow. Uh, I feel like he went back to the well. He went to the, he went back to the well to what was comfortable. He went back to Benny Fellhaber when things weren't working instead of gutting it out. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, Graham Smith is kind of an interesting move. Let's, we'll see if he hangs out still back there. I feel like there's, that's still, um, that's still TBD. So we'll see how that works out for them. And if they don't add somebody, but yeah, they went through a rash of injuries and, you know, I love Jimmy Madronda and you also have, you know, Jalen Lindsay, who's going to be really interesting once he gets healthy uh, and returns back to the club. Plus, you know, uh, you have a couple other youngsters that I'm spacing on presently. So, uh, Bizio. Yeah. Bizio. Yeah. Thank you. So Salloway, uh, <clears throat> there are <clears throat> there 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 are the ingredients are there still. I think that the, the yeah. If I had to say out west, I would say SKC. Uh, east there is no. Uh, uh, I'd say Orlando probably has the best chance. I think they made a lot of steps this year. Um, I know it it started yeah. a lot better than it ended sure. up, but I think overall, uh, considering where they were last year, this is a very uh, improved team and a very competent. Uh, one at time. So I, I think a couple of, you know, good signings here and there, uh, I think could, could make that team possibly a playoff contender next year. I wouldn't rule it out. No, that's fair. I think, honestly, if you're gun to the head, I think they're a better team than New England. Yeah. I think they're, I, I, I you know, Toronto's yeah. on that line too. I, I mean, I think they'll probably skate into the playoffs, but uh, if they don't, then I would say Toronto has the best chance of, of coming back next season. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sold on Toronto. You were so sold on them not too long ago. I I like Pozuelo, but if they're going to go away from him and they're going to have some concerns, I I I think he's an incredible player. I think he is the next evolution of Diego Valeri within this league, and I think yeah. he's somebody that could be there in Toronto for you know multiple years and push that organization um back towards where they were but they have some serious they have some serious decisions to make this offseason with both Bradley and Altador and and to be perfectly honest I don't know what they're what they're going to do um yeah. so moving both bring in the next wave go get go get Kyle Aaron back go bring him bring him back to Canada that would be a move I'd like to see that'd be interesting yeah um Tiola football asks can you do the old instrument uh the old outro music for this one yeah. No. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. We're not going to. What was it? It was ska, right? Like, what, what game was it? It's Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah. No, we're not gonna put Five Iron Dude, Frenzy. Wait, wait. What was that quick? No. <laughs> no dismissal. No, no, no. Absolute dismissal. Sorry. No. That is a no. Don't even ask that again. Total football. 
uh, at uh, Achoo, Jimmy Mac. The voice of our intro says, first time, long time. That's not true. He's asked questions before. Jimmy, don't lie. Yeah, that's that was a straight. That was funny because that was exactly the first thing that I thought when I read yeah. it. Can you please explain in detail why Charlie uh, is the greatest American soccer? Why Charlie Schnabby is the greatest American soccer player of all time? I'll hang up and listen. Okay, I did not watch the Alexi Lawless video today. Did you? I did. You see this? Is he a person? Is he somebody that we need to pay attention to in uh, any way, shape, or form? Because I, I feel like no. For those unaware, Alexi Lawless released a video today where he said that Darlington Nagby was the most skilled American player uh, that we had. Now, listen, I know that Alexi Lawless has zero history of saying completely stupid things to get a lot of attention. There's no precedent for that, so obviously he means it. Um, I don't... I'm so tired of talking about... So, he's uh, fine. He's a great player. What he plays but, one but, for uh, me. Uh, uh, okay, so, uh, for the sake... I do not want in any way, shape, or form to tie my boat to what he was saying. I don't want to defend him. No. I don't want to... Because he's a trash human being. Uh, yes. Uh, I do not care for Alexi Lawless honestly, or his I, opinions. And no. he's a troll and he has... Look, I can uh, I can respect somebody no cr- I can respect somebody that wants to make a living and that has a job to do, right? Like I can yeah. I can respect that, but yeah, the, he takes it to another end of uh, of he, the he willfully that provokes said. he willfully provokes outrage uh, to get attention. And yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> yes. Anyways, as far as who is the most skilled? I I, th- I don't want to make a list and say well definitively number one is it's player X just is i don't know if that's true i think he's true okay um i will say that i think safe answer let's just go with it 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 it, it's a safe answer but fine but yeah i don't think all time i don't think the loss was saying of all time i don't think of all time um i think if we were to look at this at this pool and say look at the talent yeah nagby's certainly up there the problem is, is that the talent hasn't ever manifested itself on a consistent basis to be anything more I, than a number eight. Which here's what we, I, we already have two different play. I mean, we have redundant players at that position. He, I, I don't see him as stepping in and being better. Just because okay. you're better technically doesn't make you a better player. Does Here's the thing sense? I think that happens with Darlington Nagby. I think that people that really like Darlington Nagby think that people that are like, he's fine, don't understand him. Don't understand the subtleties of his game. We do. That. He makes decent short passes. He can pass backwards and forwards. He's good at dribbling from one line to the next. We get it. He's not a speakeasy. He's not some, like, I, it's he, not, he's like, awesome he's in possession. unknown I don't. I don't need to like. I don't need to study his game deep, like to appreciate the subtleties of the short pass. It's fine. He's great at what he does. But like, let's stop pretending that's more than what it is. Like, it it is what it is. It's a valuable skill set. Certainly within that positional subset of his. Uh, Is it the answer to the United States men's national team's problems? Hell no. Is it the answer to a lot of teams? Like, 
yeah, maybe a lot of MLS teams would be a lot better off having him. Atlanta's certainly better off for having him. Uh, but but is he like the guy that you're going to hang your hat on even in Atlanta? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. No. We I, get it. Yeah. We're, we're not stupid. We know what he brings to the table. Like, if you really think that that is so valuable, uh, just just ask yourself, like, why like it didn't uh, – Okay. But uh, he, we say we say that he's again. incredibly valuable, and he is. Like our expected passes have shown that over the year, like his ability is far outseeds that of many of his peers when it comes to that, which is pretty exemplary, especially when you consider the fact that most Americans <clears throat> aren't really standing out from an attacking perspective in most of our metrics. So there is that. But you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. He is not going to be the guy that brings this home for us. He's not the answer. He's not. He might be involved in the depth and in the process of this, but he's not in and of himself the answer. Anyway, James just asked that question to get our eyes on him, and it worked. Um, All right, we got to. Let's uh, do. Um, Brian Rice asks, are you Armas in or Armas out? Oh, I don't, um, out, I guess. I don't know. The fans seem unhappy. Certainly this is a step back for New York this year. Um, but, but Jesse Marsh ain't coming home. So I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Harrison? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm exactly where you said, I don't know whether you like the devil, you know, or the evil you don't. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. I did. They, yeah. They've definitely played worse. Um, I don't want to definitively say that's all his fault, and I don't think anyone quite is. However, um, he's definitely – there's some things and moves that I feel like were on the table that he hasn't made, and I think that that's that's where it's – where he's losing fans at. Uh, So – and support. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you've got a guy like if you want to – like. I think the next coach is obviously going to be John Mulaniak, and if you if you think it's time for him to to be the next man up, then then I I think he's he's earned that shot. So, um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see a move made. But uh, as for whether or not I think that everything that's the ailed the Red Bulls this year is down to Chris Armas, I, I'm just not sure. But uh, you really, it's been a long time since we've heard uh, Red Bulls fans calling for for an ousting of their coach. So, um. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's see. What else is it going to do here? Uh, Bit Nomad asks, uh, is there value in a missed tackle? Uh, is it Kowski, uh, Alexander Ring, and Jonathan Dos Santos are among the midfield leaders in missed tackles per 90? I have been arguing that slowing down a dribbler, even if you lose, is viable, but others don't see it my way. Uh, that's a good question. I would say that, yeah, there's value. Um, you don't... <laughs> Uh, I think those are all very good midfielders. Ring, especially, is an excellent defensive midfielder. Um, and if you're making, if you're attacking the ball, um, you know, if you're in that kind of destroyer role, if you're if you're kind of making that that play, like, yeah, your job is to just make their job more difficult. And hopefully, that involves taking the ball away. But if not, it's better than just letting them keep building up ahead of steam, right? No, I, I can definitely see where you know, <laughs> it's it's better that they're in some way impeded. Right, especially when you're talking about counterattacks. Um, that being said, I think some of these guys are up there because not because of their dribble pass, but because they're totally they're they're at the volume of tackles that they're attempting. Like Jonathan yeah. Dos Santos leads 
uh, MLS and the attack, the total amount of tackles attempted, and yeah. that, <clears throat> and he's been far more successful than he's been unsuccessful this year. So you know, um, the same with Shashowski, and uh, I'm sure it's probably the same. Um, <clears throat> yeah, with, with Ring. Me. Yeah, I I think that it tends to be something that you put your your yourself in position to possibly win the ball. And that's more important than not. I think it's that's also like I, a, that. uh, I, I think like as a as a midfielder, it's you're in a better position to make that gamble than like say a center back. Yes. Um, so I, I I would not have my eyes raised too much by missed tackles. I think it it, it just shows that you're aggressive and that uh, you know if that's the 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 system you're trying to do, like that's that's what works. So uh, tell your friends that that we agree with you, bit no man. Well, and I think that it's important to kind of look at also you look at guys like Michael Bradley and stuff who don't have high tackles. Um, you know, some some players, um, their role is different, right? The Looking at tackles doesn't necessarily in any way uh, make the case for them being a good or bad defender, right? Like that's – I think that's something that we should be made clear. But yeah. – uh, missing a tackle, I don't think that makes you bad. I think I, I think it can have a, a, a small level of value. Sure. Yeah. Uh, our last question of the week. Uh, sorry if we didn't get tears this week. Uh, Demiron asks, how many of the UEFA Champions League groups would San Jose make it up? <laughs> All right. Uh, I pulled him up, Harrison. Uh, so, A, they'd have to beat PSG on Real Madrid. I'm going to say no. B, they'd have to beat Bayern and Tottenham. I'm going to say no. Uh, C, they'd have to beat... Man City and then one of Zagreb, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Atalanta. I'm going to say no. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Go, you don't think that they could get past – you don't think they, they, they could place in Group C? They'd have to be Shakhtar – well, I guess they one of these teams wouldn't be in here. Um, So depending on which one, they, maybe – I don't know. Yeah, be Atalanta – I don't know, man. Uh, that'd be a tough game. All right, C, probably the closest so far. Uh, D, have to be Atletico Madrid yeah, and Juventus. No. no. Um, e, they'd have to be Liverpool, Napoli, um, Jesse Bull. Marsh's Salzburg, Red Bull. Nope, not going to do that. And the best coach in the world right there in that group. And then also you've got Jurgen Klopp. Um, <laughs> F, you've got Barcelona, Dortmund, Inter Milan. Nope. Uh, G, you've got Leon Leipzig, uh, Zenit and Benfica. That's a no. And H, Ajax, Chelsea, and Valencia. No. I, uh, I, maybe Group C. Maybe I could group see. C. I could see an argument for G. Leipzig would be would would Leipzig's be brutal. Incredibly good team. Yeah. No. They they would be brutal. But yeah. uh, Leon, uh, Benfica, Zenit. Uh, you know, I, I they they maybe all have. Maybe C or G. Pieces a of quality. Run in, a miracle run in G, and depending on on how the how the draw falls in C, possibly. Okay, I just don't think we're there yet, dummy run. I think we're close to getting San Jose European Champions League ready, but we still got still got a ways to go. Got but, a little ways. The to progress go. is being made. Uh, that's it. Great questions. Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to the show. Um, <clears throat> I want to thank, uh, as always, my friend, my colleague, 
my co-host Harrison Crow. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Uh, follow the American Soccer Analysis at Analysis Evolved and visit the website www.americansocceranalysis.com. Got some stuff coming up this week. The return of lowered expectations. I'm teasing it right now, Harrison. It's uh, I gotta home. do it. It's coming home. So look forward to that. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy the soccer. Hands, it comes at feeling.